on the record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Three minutes past twelve this Sunday lunchtime. Gavin Riley with you for the next hour on News Talk. This is on the record. Oh eight seven. 1400106 is the number for your WhatsApps. If you want to get in touch, we are on X, uh, which is something I'm regretfully now just getting used to calling Twitter. Uh, we are on X and the hashtag is on the record NT, um, or you can email us on the record at newstalk.com. I did ask people in the first hour uh, why it would be the case or how it could possibly be the case um, that apartments could be built in Ireland and somehow not have a buyer at the end of the process. Uh, Daryl O'Brien talking about possibly introducing a backstop in the budget where the government acts as the buyer if nobody else is. Uh, one texter gets in touch to say, you mean to tell me that Fianna Fáil are possibly going to be bailing out developers who can't sell overpriced apartments? Couldn't possibly be the case, uh, says one slightly cynically minded texter. Someone else says, unintended consequence of killing the small landlord market. Uh, and somebody else says, the cost of building apartments outside of Dublin is greater than the market value of them. And that's due to government regulation and policy. We have a policy on, de- on density which dictates that apartments must be built regardless of whether there is a market demand for them. Planning ideology is trying to force the market to want what it doesn't want, uh, to try to force the market to build what it doesn't want to buy. Uh, that is the issue, says that texter. Uh, do keep your thoughts coming. Thank you for those uh, texts. 87 106 is the number for WhatsApp. This coming Wednesday is round one offers day uh, in the CAO and there'll be lots of people focusing on college and whether college is for everyone and whether people got the college courses that they were hoping to get. But it might be a useful time to remind people that college isn't the only thing that people can do uh, when they leave school. Apprenticeships have always been a key part in trying to produce people, uh, trades people across the country. And we want to discuss a little bit more about the future of apprenticeships and maybe why more people aren't taking them up. So we are joined in studio by Dr. Mary Liz Trant, who is Director of the National Apprenticeship Office, and on the line uh, by Ty Crowley, who is the President of the Institute of Guidance Counsellors. Uh, Mary Liz, I'll come to you first. Um, how many apprenticeships are there actually available in Ireland at the moment? There's 72 programs, Gavin. Um, and they now range in a whole, you know, areas like tech, sales, uh, finance, biopharma. They go all the way up to PhD level. We have okay. one PhD, um, as well as a kind of a very large number. Most of them are available to school leavers. Um, and there's a, you know, a very large number as well as the kind of the, what people will be very familiar with in electrical, plumbing, and carpentry mm. and joinery. But when, you know, apprenticeships are now available in all 21st century that industries. That was immediately striking because I imagine there's a lot of people listening this lunchtime who think that apprenticeships are about, and there's not, nothing against this, but that apprenticeships are about the manual trades. So it's people who want to learn to become plumbers or electricians or ultimately end up falling into sectors like construction. But actually, they're, they're far beyond that now. Absolutely. But also, I mean, they, they remain and, you know, a very kind of vibrant part of the apprenticeship system. You know, there's, and uh, during the week we heard 50,000 jobs are needed in construction to build all the houses we need by 2030. You know, construction industry and engineering have really modernised. So, you know, that remains a hugely important part of apprenticeship. And as well as that, then we've got this growing number of, you know, of, of, of apprenticeships in areas that people wouldn't have traditionally been familiar with. So mm. if somebody's interested, for example, in business or finance uh, after yeah. school. There's this perception, oh, you go and do commerce or you go and do business, economic and social studies in Trinity. But yeah. apprenticeships might be the way forward. For and them. you can do an, a degree via the apprenticeship route, international financial services, for example. We now have over 25,000 apprentices training. So the, it's as big as some of our bigger universities. So the mm. numbers are really big and and the numbers are growing very significantly. We had over 8,000 registrations last year 
and we're on target for 9,000. Okay. However, you know, the, I suppose the, the, the big um, uh, message for, for school leavers now is they're thinking about their options is they really should consider this route because it's, you know, it's it's a job, it's a salary, um, you know, it's it's a way of actually learning, you know, in a really on the job and, and getting that really practical experience in employment as well as getting a major qualification. Uh, Ty Crowley, uh, as I mentioned, President of the Institute of Guidance Counsellors, is also with us on the line. Uh, Ty, thanks for speaking to us this lunchtime. Uh, why do you think is it, or, or maybe maybe this is a very outdated vision, um, do you think that apprenticeships still have something of a, of a bad rep or that people have a very uh, one-dimensional perception of, of what apprenticeships actually involve? Yeah, good afternoon, Gavin. Um, I think it's because historically in the Irish education system, there's been so much emphasis placed on, you know, the three R's, road learning and the uh, going to the university at the end of school. um, There hasn't been so much emphasis on uh, about learning skills and learning skills for work and working with your hands and how that can be so much more important to, to many people in finding the, the work that they will be really happy in as they go through their life. Mm. Do you, is there also a perception, that, and I don't know whether this is a fair one, but that people perceive that um, trying to get through an apprenticeship, it might end up being very highly paid at the end of it, but that they might struggle to make ends meet in the meantime, or that they might struggle to get people to take them on as an apprentice? Yeah, there could be that uh, perception there, but but really, you know, when people if people look into it and get the facts straight, that they're actually being paid for to train for their apprenticeship. They 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 get um, you know they and, and there are they, they, there are many um, supports for them as they go through the apprenticeship. So so that shouldn't. But there is this perception too, I suppose that that people won't be as well paid as somebody with a, a university qualification at the end of the of their course. But that, that, that's totally untrue. That is totally untrue, so that pe- people can, can earn as, as much, if not more, by, by getting qualified through this means. No, yes, definitely. Okay. Um, Mary Liz, the, we were just saying before we uh, before you came in studio that the um, the CAO process, and we, we mentioned this as, you know, apprenticeships often are forgotten about when people talk about college admissions, but that for the last couple of years now you can enter an apprenticeship programme through the CAO and it's, it's listed there almost as an equivalent to college admission now. So apprenticeships are different in that an employer has to take somebody on and it's a job. So it's not like a college course where you, you apply for it and, you, you know, you get offered a place. However... Yeah. All of the apprenticeship options are now available and really visible on the CAO platform. That, w- that sort of was introduced last year for the first time. And what's brilliant about that is that when people are having those conversations, you know, around the kitchen table about, you know, options after school, further education options, higher education options, that academic route, as well as apprenticeship options are there right in front of them. And they can look at all of those, you mm. know, those choices uh, and keep those options open on, you know, until they actually make their final decision. Mm. So it's great to have that because, you know, visibility and understanding of everything that's, you know, that's out there as, mm. as, a, as, a, as a choice. Does it also mean that if there was something of a stigma about people taking on apprenticeship rather than the formality of college or university education, that it sort of takes away that sense of a stigma because they are listed on the CAO as as parallels and equals to each other. 
Well, I think it, it really helps, you know, and the other thing that, that we're doing, I mean, you know, that we're running, for example, Apprentice of the Year Awards now. We've over 220 fantastic apprentices nominated this year uh, right across all apprenticeship areas. Um, we're showcasing them on social media now and just giving that sense of the leadership, the creativity, the problem solving, uh, the teamwork that apprentices build and develop and how highly valued those skills are among employers. And, you know, I suppose giving that sense of what a fantastic career route and career option um, apprenticeship is. Mm. Um, a couple of texts that are already coming in about this actually. This has really uh, touched a nerve with people. Somebody says, as someone who went to college, I work for disability services earning 52000 a year. I wish I was pushed towards an apprenticeship because college education isn't as important as society has made it out to be. That's uh, one person's text. Oh, it's 7-1400-106. Somebody else says, however, uh, and Mary Liz, maybe you might have some response to this person. It's too hard to find one, too hard to get someone to take you on unless you know somebody. It's not streamlined. It should be easier to apply for and to find them, there are barely any available in the County of Mayo. Says that texter. What would you say in response to that? So there, there, there are, there's a range of ways in which people can find apprenticeships and find jobs. Um, we have a vacancy site on apprenticeship.ie, um, the national website. Um, and then there's all sorts of, you know, the, the education and training boards, for example, there's one in, in, in that part of the country in Mayo where um, that caller is from, where there are, you know, uh, employers will get in contact with the local education training board with, with, with jobs. Mm. Um, there is, I suppose it's not as streamlined as, say, the CAO option where you apply for a course. Mm. Um, however, there's a lot of work underway just to kind of, I suppose, create that visibility now, um, those vacancies that are out there. Mm. Um, I think it's it's fair enough. You know, it's you know, it, it probably needs mm. more work. And that's something that we're looking on in the National Apprenticeship Office. What does the the um, the competition for an apprenticeship place look like? Because if there might be people who, who are not going through the CAO yet, but there might be people listening at home who have someone in their house going through the CAO in future, they may not have had this on their radar and they might be thinking about it. How does the competition work? Are, are there more applicants than there are places? And if so, how do you decide who gets them and who doesn't? So there's, I mean, the, in a lot of the apprenticeships, there are actually a lot more applicants. I mean, they are a very popular route for, for people. Um, and, you know, again, through apprenticeship.ie, there's all of those that, you know, people can go in, look at the apprenticeship they're interested in, and then, you know, submit a expression of interest and, and they're, they're into the process to be considered. Mm. Uh, in some parts of the country, employers actually find it hard to find apprentices, you know, so, so and you know, they, they want to take on apprentices, but it's not so easy. Um, and we have big events, like, for example, in September, We've got World Skills Ireland and higher options where employers are there, potential apprentices can come, and it gives an opportunity for people to make those kinds of connections. Mm. Uh, Ty Crowley, do you think that more could be done to actually sort of uh, encourage people in or to try and, and, and make more places? Because I know there's a lot of people sort of think that the process of finding an employer who might take one on is so difficult that they just sort of feel like the option is close to them from the get go. Yeah, well, I think, like Mary Liz was saying there, that the. the um, the National Apprenticeship Office and Dulles uh, are really working hard now to to improve uh, the accessibility for students and uh, the employers who are off- who are offering the places in apprenticeships. And um, I do think there probably needs to be more effort, maybe from the Education and Training Board, as regards to linking up the perspective. Um, the prospective uh, student and uh, or the, the person who wants to do an apprenticeship and uh, the employers. Um, but but there has been a huge improvement over the last uh, five years in in with the with the uh, generation apprenticeship website and the jobs page and that and 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 uh, even the um, like indeed.ie and those um, jobs. Mm. Um, 
Uh, Conor Murphy, who is an English website. teacher, yeah, uh, Conor Murphy, who is an English teacher, has been in touch by Twitter. He says that the Celtic Tiger was a major turning point in education because although there was good money available in construction and the likes, parents got notions and they wanted their child to go to third level, often in spite of the child's own wishes. And he says that we are still suffering from what he calls uh, the age of notions. And um, Tyke, if if somebody is is coming to, uh, to to you as a guidance counselor, they're coming to any guidance counselor, and an apprenticeship might be on their radar. I imagine one thing that might cause them to turn away from it or go towards traditional college is that sense of there being a college environment of, or a college era of somebody who's who's been in secondary and they want to move away from home and they want to be with other young people and they want to have a college experience and they might not feel like an apprenticeship, although it might prepare them for a really good professional life and prepare them for a good career with a good salary, that it doesn't offer that same kind of college experience. What would you say in response to that or is that just a natural failing of an apprenticeship? I, w- I would say that that that, that the whole idea of um, college experience is 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 inflated, and you know, people really have to look at what exactly does it mean, and an uh, apprenticeship or an, a, a prospective apprentice going and fulfilling a, an apprenticeship can have just as good an experience with uh, with workmates with. Uh, with his other colleagues who are apprenticeships, or who are, and and remember that you know, in an apprenticeship, that every uh, three months there's like over over a period of four years there's six placements, there's there's six uh, periods of working in college of of, of being in a college mm. environment as Indeed. well. So so that really it has to be explained to them what what exactly is this whole college experience all about, you know. Mm. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's a fair point I suppose maybe we romanticise what the, the supposed college experience is and we don't think about the practicalities of alternatives um, there's a, a really interesting point that's come in by Twitter actually and I'm glad that this has come in because I was going to put a similar theme to this anyway to you Mary Liz but actually this, this uh, person on Twitter has actually got there anyway um, until girls schools offer or are funded to be equipped to offer more subjects like construction, then many apprenticeships will never be seen as an option for girls. And they might admit many people who might have been suited to them. And I was going to make the observation that because there is still this perception, whether it's fair or not, that apprenticeships often involve manual trades, that apprenticeships just aren't on the radar for a lot of young women leaving secondary school. So uh, about five years ago, Gavin, there were just only about 26 women apprentices in the country. Last year, we had nearly a thousand registrations. Wow. So it's growing. Now, we've still a long way to go. We have a campaign going on this year and working with TIG and colleagues called Facts Faces Futures, which aims to reach every girls school in the country to, to make sure that the information about apprenticeships are available. Um, and, and that campaign is going on. By, we're aiming that by the end of the year, every single girls school mm. has had a visit, has had, an, you know, to learn about the options because it, girls are interested in construction and engineering as well yeah. as other areas that, you know. Is there a structural issue, though, in that a lot of the uh, girls schools, maybe they don't offer the, the, the full range of secondary subjects that then might lay the path for somebody to go in into apprenticeship afterwards? Because if, for example, this person is saying, you know, if you're in a secondary school that doesn't offer construction or if it doesn't do, you know, tech graphics or if it doesn't do woodwork or whatever, then it often feels like some of those options are closed even before the people gets out the door at all. Well, what we've heard is that a lot of, you know, say where they're all girls schools, you know, that mightn't have those options, they're pairing up with other schools in the area. There might be, a you know, a community school or a boys school 
that do have those options and then it gives it opens up that that choice for 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 girls for young women it's it's absolutely really important that the, that range of subjects is available and is there and i know that conversation and that work is going on mm. you know at second level um but i think it's about i mean a big part of it is getting across that message that these opportunities are available and open to um young young women as well as young men and then that they they need to have the opportunity to 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 find out about it and to experience what it's actually like in practice. Mm. It's a conversation that's worth happening, particularly this week, because as we said, there, there will be so much focus on colleges and formal uh, third and higher level education that maybe it is just worth reminding people that other options are out there and maybe those who are looking at the CAO in 12 months time, something to bear in mind for them. Uh, Dr. Mary Liz Trant, Executive Director for Skills Development in the Further Education and Training Authority. So thank you for joining us in studio and to Ty Crowley, President of the Institute of Guidance Counselors, who was with us uh, on the line as well. One texter says the points race doesn't determine the quality of a course. All it does is show supply and demand for the course. They say that Minister Simon Harris hasn't improved the supply side of the high level points courses. Keep your texts coming. 087 1400 at 1. On the record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PWC. Transformation always disrupts, but it doesn't always need to be disruptive. On News Talk.